The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Look, first of all, everybody's messed up. Okay, Amen. nobody is perfect. If you need to know if somebody's, that person you think is perfect, you're just not married to them. You just gotta marry somebody, <laughs> want, you know, or become best friends with them. And, and that's the thing, you know, that, so every, everybody, everybody's flawed, everybody's messed up. In spite of how you may feel, Bobby Schuler helps you understand that you are beloved by the one who sees you as you really are. Next on Life Today. This is Sheila Walsh, and Sheila, you know, I'm excited because we've got another, you know, sort of legend in Christian television here, and as the son <laughs> of James you mean Robinson, like we are? Well, yes. I, I'm trying. I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. But we, no, you're got, right. you know, Robert Schuler is like, I mean, he's like iconic in oh, Christian television. Absolutely. Everyone loved Hour of Power, and everyone loved Robert Schuler, and his grandson is carrying on the ministry in his own style and by his own calling, and we're thrilled to have him. Would you welcome Bobby Schuler? I love, I love the title of this book. Um, you are beloved, living in the freedom of God's grace, mercy, and love. But as I got into and read it, uh, I cannot think of a more timely message mm. for the days we're living in. Yeah. Because I think most of us long to be known and to be loved. Yes. But we're so afraid that if we're known, we won't be loved. What That's led right. you to, to writing this, Bobby? Well, it's exactly that. Is, and the order, you, you got the order right. First to be known, then to be loved. Because so many of us are, we, we are loved, people love us, but we think they love the ego, like the, the thing we've, our best version of ourselves that we put in front of others, our successes, our, you know, if you're, you know, young and good looking, then as you get older or, you know, you gain weight, you have kids, you know, and you, well, I might, you know, and all of these things that we put forward and we think people love that. And so we don't feel truly seen. And so the need to be seen as we truly are and not to everybody, but to at least some people, especially to God, and then to be loved in spite of my imperfections, in spite of the skeletons in my closet, in spite of my doubts and fears and stresses and whatever. Um, that's a huge need. And, it's, and it's, at the, it's at the heart of so many of the problems in our churches and the problems in America today. At the heart of it is, is this inner, um, need to deeply bond with other people and especially with God. Did, did you write this from a kind of intellectual ascent to the importance of it, or is it something you struggled with in your own life? Well, uh, well, it's both in a way, but um, it's a lot of it is a journey of self-discovery. Um, so for me personally, a lot of, you know, you, you mentioned my grandfather. I mean, he was an amazing man and I had in many ways an amazing, I've had a, an amazing life, but I also had a lot of pain in my life. Mm -hmm. And we all do, you know, it doesn't matter who you meet, how famous they are or how rich they are or, or whatever. We all go through pain. We, we have bullies. We go through loss. People we love die. We, we go through divorce, breakup, rejection, abandonment. And these are all things that play into the way we view ourselves. And the way we view ourselves then affects the way we bond with others and the way we view God. Mm -hmm. And so the, the, the heart of the message that we have to come to is that, look, first of all, everybody's messed up. Okay, Amen. nobody is perfect. 
if you need to know if somebody's, that person you think is perfect, you're just not married to them. You just gotta marry somebody, <laughs> want, you know, or become best friends with them. And, and that's the thing, you know, that, so every, everybody, everybody's flawed, everybody's messed up. Mm -hmm. And there's something so healing about believing that God sees you with all your doubts and fears and sins and vices and addictions and all these things, all these things that we all have as human beings and just says, I love you. Mm -hmm. I'm wow. proud of you. Mm -hmm. I want you. I'm glad to be around you. I'm not embarrassed yeah. by you. I, I believe in you, you know. You've got on the back of your book this statement of affirmation that's, that's really beautiful and it, I think is sort of something you live by, yes? Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Can, yeah. Would you read that, Sheila? Creed of the Beloved. Um, I'm not what I do. I'm not what I have. I'm not what people say about me. I am the beloved of God. And then you went on and add, it's, it's who I am. No one can take it from me. I don't have to worry. I don't have to hurry. I can trust my friend Jesus and share his love with the world. How did you come across, because I think the first part of that creed is from Henry Nouwen, is that right? Yeah, the first part is, is almost exactly from Henry Nouwen, and the second bit is not that original either, it's really from Dallas Willard. It's, it's piecing together um, a lot of Dallas's work. And these are two, some people may not know, these are two authors that have had a big impact on my spiritual life. And I, I come from the Reformed tradition, and our tradition, creeds are really important. And so we have these old creeds like the Westminster Shorter Catechism and, and the Belgic and these confessions, but they've sort of lost a lot of their steam for especially unchurched people. So when we say not by works, for example, um, unchurched and unchristian people don't get that. And even church people, in fact, when I said I'm not what I do, which is you're just saying in plain language, not by works. Mm -hmm. When I say that, there's a lot of people in church that are like, oh, well, what do you mean? I'm wow. like, this is the gospel. This is orthodoxy. I'm not what I do is orthodox Christian faith. Mm -hmm. So what I was trying to do is put in my own language. Like if I was looking in a mirror and was trying to make a confession as an American man in the 21st century, how would I say this? And that was what it was. So that's why Henry Nouwen's words meant so much to me. So I started em employing those words like a creed just in my own personal life. So when I'd go into solitude and prayer, I'd begin to say it over myself, Bobby, you're not what you do. You're not what you have. You're not what people say about you. You're God's beloved. You're his beloved. Like John, this is what John does. John says, John, the Lord's beloved. That's <laughs> yeah, his identity. Yeah, I love that. That's yeah. what the name of the book. Yeah. That's all he is. Mm -hmm. He's John the beloved. Mm -hmm. And that's who you are, Sheila. That's who you are, Randy. And that's who you are at home. That you are not what you do, you do enough. You're not what you have. God has made everything available to you. You have everything you need. And you're certainly not what people say about you, what he says about you, and you are his beloved. And that's, that's the truth. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. One of the things that seems to be epidemic in society, and I know it's something I've dealt with in my own life, is this feeling of loneliness. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's something you talk about a lot in this book, and I'd love you to unpack what you mean by that. It might be a little different than what people think. Yeah, yeah. So, so I have lots of friends, you know, and I've, I have a big family and I have people around all the time. But a lot of my life, I didn't realize that in a way I was a bit emotionally numb. And this is something men do a lot, but, but people do it in general. And this, this idea of like becoming strong, where you start to, you sort of box out a lot of the bad emotions that you had when you were a kid. What you don't realize is that you're also training your body to box out emotion in general. So when you box out frustration, fear, anger, doubt, you're also boxing out joy, happiness, laughter, mirth. And so you, you don't feel, you lose both, you become numb. And that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to truly be joyful. And so part of my discovery, actually a big part was, 
having a, a friend who is a, a mentor, is also a therapist, but he was, <laughs> he's also a spiritual mentor to me. So we would spend Fridays together for hours praying together. Wow. And he was helping me discover my own emotional life. And as it was happening years into it, this emotional part of my life that had become dead was coming back to life. And I talk about this in the book. There's this amazing moment when I was with my wife and we were pulling off the, the freeway and I was driving. And in my conscious mind, I was gonna tell her this funny story about this relative in my family who called me a, an S-head, you know, he called me this, and because I did something dumb. And in my conscious mind, it was hilarious because what I did as a little kid was so stupid and silly and stuff. And then I said, and I was laughing as I started saying it, and then I said, he called me a, and then I locked up. He called me a, and then I just started weeping and weeping and weeping. And it was such an amazing experience for me because it helped me understand that in my conscious mind, I thought this was funny, mm -hmm. that my soul had been wounded and had been identifying with being an, an S-head mm -hmm. for a lot of my life. Even talking about it now is hard. Mm -hmm. And so these, these things we experience when we're children, we're so innocent, we're so joyful, right? But that joyfulness and that vulnerability also lets a, leads us to places of, of a lot of pain, a lot of loss, a lot of confusion. And so as we get older, we box these things out. But you wanna know something? The average child smiles 400 times a day, but the average adult smiles 20 times a day. Oh, So wow. something happens in that journey where we learn to turn off um, a lot of the, the, these things that make us like, I'm not the beloved of God, I'm an S-head. Hmm. You know, or these things that we have that, that are going on, we don't rec recognize they're going on. So that's a bit of the loneliness. The loneliness comes then when we succeed and people are like, hey, great, that's amazing. Hmm. When you're good looking or popular or achieving, or you're, if you, you know, for my case in ministry, you're just, you're doing great. You know, the ministry's great. So then you're just like, well, I'm the beloved because I'm doing great. Yeah. Right. Because of what I do. I'm the beloved because of what people say about me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so then there's this, there's this loneliness that happens because you're not truly seen. You're not yeah. vulnerable. People know the best bits about your life, but you're like, if they knew this thing about me, they wouldn't respect me anymore. Mm -hmm. They w certainly wouldn't love me. I wouldn't be invited to that party, that's for sure. I remember one of my dearest friends, an older lady who's a spiritual mentor of mine, asking me how I would feel if there was a movie made of my life and nothing edited out and anyone could watch it. And at that point I said I would be horrified. And she said, you need to know God's seen your movie and he loves you. Yes, that's right. And that was radical for me. Yes, it was right. like, this is the one place I actually get to show up with mm -hmm. everything, the bits that are working and the bits that are not working. Yeah. Why yeah. is that so hard for us in the church to grasp hold of? I mean, it is the gospel. That's right. Well, the Christianity falls into the, the trap of religiosity. So the one thing that makes Christianity different than every other religion, well, it's Jesus. But at the heart of that is that every other religion on earth says, do everything right, and then you're in. Right. Do everything right, and you go to heaven, or nirvana, or a better afterlife, or whatever. Christianity, though, Orthodox Christianity, does not say that. Orthodox Christianity says, you're in just as you are. That God loves you just as you are, not as you should be. You're loved, you belong, and, and you move from the sinful, hidden, beat yourself up life into a life of vulnerability where you just like take all this junk in your heart and mind and stuff. And you're like, okay, here it is. Here's all my, all my stuff. This is who I am. And then over time, it doesn't happen over. That's why I hate overnight testimonies. They're just not real. <laughs> There's the, the guy who's like doing drugs and the next day, like Rare. never. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm sure it does happen, but I'm a pastor and, and I've watched these stories unfold and they unfold over years. They don't unfold overnight. Mm. 
addiction doesn't, it doesn't usually just change overnight. Oh. And the stories are amazing when you hear that, but those stories are not healthy for us because we think, well, if God was really moving in my life, yep. I wouldn't struggle with addiction anymore. It would have happened when I prayed five months well, ago. I would have had the miracle. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. You're right. But you look at what God does. This is his world. Trees grow slowly. <laughs> Fruit is bared in its season. People, mm -hmm. and, and things are trained. It, it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's so important that we we are okay with our imperfections for a season, and we just trust that the Holy Spirit's going to do the work, and then and then bond deeply with with others. You you point out sort of two different kinds of labels: the negative ones, like the one that was put on you, mm -hmm. and and then or also that identity we can get from our own works. A yeah, lot of times. absolutely. So there's kind of the the bad identity and and kind of a good identity, if you will, but both are false identities. That's right. How do we get past? identifying in those very human ways to get to a place where, where when you say you are beloved, mm -hmm. it, it actually means something. Um, the answer is silence and solitude. We need time alone. And we need something like this creed. It doesn't have to be this one, but you need time where you get away from your work, you get away from even your family, all the stuff that's really important to you. It's, it's not that you're abandoning. It's one of the... Silence and solitude is one of the kindest things you can do for the people that do life with you. <laughs> so that you get away and you don't go for half an hour. You take a day every once in a while at least and, and, you, know, and you go somewhere beautiful, somewhere that you're most alive and you just go, Lord, here I am. And the first thing you feel is boredom. Then the second thing you might feel is loneliness. And then, but, but Henry Nouwen says this, your loneliness can become solitude. And it's in that place that you, re you realize I'm not alone. And that deepest part of you, that loneliness, moves into a place of, of experience the experience in the kingdom of God. That's an amazing thing. We all we all need that. Yeah, I've been just in the last couple of years rediscovering the classic spiritual disciplines. Yeah. Even just meditation. Yeah. You know, and I, I talked to a friend about it, and she said, "I'm not doing that. That's all that Eastern stuff." And I'm like, no, "Whoa, whoa! That actually belonged to us first. I mean, David said, "May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart." Hey, almost every time the Bible refers to itself, it doesn't say study the Bible. It doesn't, it says meditate on the word of God. Oh, yeah. Constantly it says meditate. The Hebrew word is Haggah. And Haggah, it's like this form of breathing where it's like, you actually see it when, when many of the Jewish people, if you see them at the Western Wall, they're going like this. Yeah. They're in a spirit of Haggah, this meditation. And you're supposed to do that with the word of God, first by memorizing it and then saying it over and over so that it goes from your mind to your heart. The long and short of it is we have, to train, we have to train our mind and heart against what the world is training us, right? So the world's always training you to be more like the world. And we have to train our, first our mind and then it comes into our body. All that anxiety, worry and fear, train all that stuff out of our body into faith and into believing, look, even though I messed up and I have challenges and problems and baggage and oh, 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 I'm just gonna let that go. It's the cross takes care of that. I'm just gonna just enjoy the freedom of grace. Okay, why, do, why is not worrying and being sort of relaxed significant to you? It's so huge. So Dallas Willard was asked, what is the one word that describes Jesus most? And he said, Jesus was relaxed. We, we don't think of that often. <laughs> you don't hear that a lot. Being relaxed is the fruit of faith. Wow. So if you trust God with your life, worrying means God doesn't either God doesn't care about this, mm. God's not going to handle this for me, God's not faithful, mm. he's not trustworthy, mm. um, or he doesn't exist. It's one of those things. And, and so that's what you're doing when you're worrying. Like, God's not going to handle this for me. I have to manage this myself. Mm. I have to first have to predict it rightly, which is you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and then by predicting it, I got to you know, take care of it. And, and then what happens is worry becomes a part of your body. 
And that's true. That first worry begins in the mind, but if you worry long enough, it becomes a part of your body. That's why you go on vacation, you think, I'm gonna stop worrying. You still, it takes a while for you to like, even though there's nothing to worry about, <laughs> you're sitting out on the beach, enjoying everything, not a care in the world, you should, at least you shouldn't have, you're still worrying. You have to, it's a, you have to untrain your body, you know? Yeah. I think that's quite a challenge to me and to all of us, this concept of, of taking a day. You know, because we're so tied to our phones yeah. and we think we're so connected and we have so many friends, but we don't know most of those people. And I think there's something profound about allowing God to speak in the silence. Uh, God speaks, speaks to us. He's speaking now if, we do, if we'd only listen. And he's, he's so, he just loves us so much. And it's, we just don't understand how, how much God loves us. Mm -hmm. And at the heart of it, that is, that is at the heart of all of our pain, all of our brokenness. That's why we're so fragile. That's why everybody gets so offended, is we find these identities with other things, and, it, and you just got to let that go. To you go on about that, because you mentioned that earlier. The offense level in, in our country yeah. is real high, and you put your finger on it in a way I hadn't heard before. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so, so we are so easily offended because we're, first of all, teaching people to be offended, not resilient, which is one problem. Wow. And, the, and that comes That's, from... No, wow. it, gets, it gets better. <laughs> That's good, but so, it gets yeah. better. At the heart of that is this loneliness that I don't belong. And so what we're doing very often when we have debates is we're debating what our team or our group of belonging says. So that can be... These are all... This is not necessarily bad things, but being Republican, being a Democrat, being an American, being a Christian, um, being a dad, mm -hmm. um, you know, being a, in my case, being a pastor, we find these groups that we can be in so that when that group gets attacked in any way, that we get offended because this is where I belong. I belong in America, or I be, you know, I'm a Texan, or I'm a Californian, or we, and we find these sub, and then subcultures so that, so that we're finding our belonging in the this, in this subgroup, but we can't do that either. You know, it's good to be proud of America, obviously. So it's when our identities are stepped on we get offended. Yeah, we get brittle, so yeah. we can't handle it. Yeah. You know, we just can't handle any, anything. And actually, if you want to do great things for God, you have to be resilient. But you have to let go of what people say about you. The more, the more good you do for God, the more people are going to say bad things about you. I can't think of any great influencer that doesn't have lots of people saying all sorts of bad stuff. When I started doing the Hour of Power, I was not ready for the online criticism of me, my family, my kids, people making stuff up, people lying. But that's why Jesus says, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. What does he mean by that? Well, actually, at this time, there was a website that was making stuff up about me and publishing it every day. And I was, I was just like mired in self-pity and I was walking with my wife and we were and we we're this thing and there was this kid and he was walking around with a shirt and it said if you ain't got haters you ain't doing expletive s <laughs> and the Lord spoke to me through that I read that shirt and I was like yes that's right yes and I started thinking about some of my favorite people and how, how they were called, heretics or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and I started thinking, Lord, I pray someday there's, you know, 10 websites that are all just making up lies about Bobby Shuler. Yeah. Well. I hope that there's a, I, you know, and, and this should be the way we think. We've got to just let, if we're going to do great things for God, uh -huh. we're going to have critics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, can't, you can't have an opinion and not have an enemy. But what gives you a strong place to do that is, is not, you don't just belong. This book says you are beloved, mm -hmm. and that is profound. That is life-changing. Um, we're going to tell you how you can get hold of a copy of Bobby's book, but first of all, we'd love to give you an opportunity to join with us here and make a profound difference in the lives of some children this Christmas. Would you watch this?
In the rural highlands of Southeast Asia, Life's mission partner, Tony Brewer, has worked to provide life-changing care for special needs children throughout the region, including those affected by cleft lip and cleft palate. With few wage-paying jobs available, parents can seldom afford medical care for these children or the cost of travel to a health facility. Many children that are born with cleft lip and cleft palate simply did not get corrective surgery and do not unless we go the extra mile to go get them. Recently, Tony was joined by Life's Missions Director, Ralph Doan, to meet a young boy named Dwee, whose parents have been longing for the day when their son would have a normal smile. Little Dwee here is only four months old, but he is one of our latest recipients of Christmas smiles. His sweet family, his mother and father and him, they have traveled over 250 miles just to get to this point. And we're here today because today is his big day. He is gonna get his surgery done. This child would probably not have gotten the cleft lip repair that he's getting today except for Life Outreach International, a changed life. I cannot explain fully in words the stories that I hear all around the world of the need for children, boys and girls, just like little Dweeb, who need this surgery. So I'm gonna ask you to give a generous gift to help little boys and girls just like Dweeb. And you're given a gift that doesn't just last through the season, but it lasts a lifetime. Wow, that's powerful, Randy. Yeah, what, a, what a huge opportunity. I mean, we can, not just put a smile on a child's face, but give them the ability to smile. Can you believe that? You know, and having been in some of those countries and watched some of those procedures, and that darling little one you saw there at the end with the little Band-Aid over his lip, um, we've had some updates and that's now off and still a little swollen. But mm -hmm. see, here's the thing, in so many of these countries, when a child is born like that, there's a kind of belief that somehow that child is cursed, that that child has no future. and. If, if it was your son or your daughter, if it was my son, I would do everything. I would scrub toilets to get my son fixed. But so many of these people in those countries are desperately poor, they just can't. And so they're, they're crying out to God, you know, what can we do? So this is not something we have to do. This is this glorious privilege this Christmas that instead of buying some more ugly sweaters, we actually get to make a difference in the lives of people. Do you know that for $500, and I know that's a lot for some people, but if you could do that, do you know that $500 will repair one child so that they're able to have this beautiful smile for the rest of, of their life? That's what my husband and I are going to give to each other this Christmas, because it's like, that's, I mean, what a gift. That's what, that's what the coming of Christ is all about. It's not about us. It's what we can do to make a difference in the life of other people, too. Oh, that's, that's very cool, Sheila. I thank you for that and, and everyone that comes together. The other part of this are the shoes, and I like the shoes because these shoes are not only fun for the children because a lot of these children have never, ever owned a pair of shoes, but they also, they're, they're a health issue. You know, there's a lot of diseases uh, you can get from running around barefoot and cutting your foot and get things that I won't go into because they're not pleasant. But we can avoid all of that. You can give a child a pair of shoes for $3.60. That means $36 will provide 10 pairs of shoes. $180 will provide 50 pairs of shoes. I mean, I've, I've spent 
I'm sorry to say, but I've spent more than that on less than this. You but don't know you what think I mean? it'd be great, Randy, this Christmas for your whole family to take it on as a project? Oh, yeah. To, to teach our little ones that this life is not about mm. getting more, it's mm. about becoming more. Mm. So to be able to say as a family to your kids, let's do this, let's decide together what we're going to do. So please, would you go to your phones and make the best gift possible? If we all do something, we all have different amounts, and we'll send you this. Yeah. Every year we have the new little Christmas shoes. This year it's like a little, it's like a little Jolly Rancher in red. <laughs> but for, we're going to send that to you, so please, um, Go to your phone, make the best gift possible, and together we're going to put a lot of smiles on a lot of faces. Poverty is a killer, and because of it, children needlessly suffer, not only from a lack of food and clean water, but also from a lack of things we often take for granted, like a simple pair of shoes. Far too many children living in extreme poverty have never owned a new pair of shoes, and while that may seem minor in the light of all their needs, Walking with bare feet puts them at risk of life-threatening infections and disease that could lead to crippling consequences and even death. By responding today, you can help immediately secure and begin shipping Christmas shoes to 150,000 children around the world, and for many, just in time for the holidays. Your gift of $36 will help provide 10 pairs of shoes, a gift of $72 will help provide 20 pair, and a gift of $180 will help provide 50 pairs of Christmas shoes for children in need. As a thank you for your gift of support, be sure to request this beautifully crafted red crystal shoe ornament, a treasure to display at each Christmas. With your gift of $100 or more, you may request a Light Shines in Darkness frosted glass candle featuring a beautiful golden design with scripture from John 1.5. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000 or more to help provide 275 pairs of shoes or two children with corrective cleft palate surgeries. And you may request the Bridge of Faith canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. Betty, what do you think about all these beautiful feet and these beautiful children? I think they deserve some pretty little shoes on their feet, don't you? And it's not just to, just to give them shoes. It is to bless them. We want to bless them. But the shoes have a real important use too, James. They can protect their feet from getting cuts and bruises and also from disease. Well, we found out that hookworms actually get in the skin of their feet, just sometimes walking in dirt or sand, and then it actually ends up in their intestines, and then it can just be, it can be deadly. Let's put shoes on all these beautiful children's beautiful feet. <laughs> It'd just be such a wonderful gift to make at this time. And I hope you'll do all you can. Just give as many pairs as you can to bless as many children and their families as you can. Thank you so much. If the phones are busy, please keep calling. And I get the privilege of reading lots of books, but I really want to recommend this book. I really think it'll make a huge difference in your life. So for any gift you send, then we're going to send you Bobby's book. Would you thank Bobby for being with us on Life Today? Thank you, guys. Bobby, thank you for letting us know that we're beloved, and you need to know that you are also beloved, and we would be loving it if you would join us every day on Life Today. See you later.
Is the church losing ground in today's culture? Tony Evans says believers are not kingdom living while pledging allegiance to the king. Next week. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.